So staying alive will always be for, you know, a whole lot of people uh, referencing a 70s dance song with Travolta, right? But I hope after these four weeks we've had together on this, it's also uh, going to help you think about your connection to God. I hope it'll help you think about your relationship to God and, and, and that question, are you alive to God? God is always with us, you know. He's always for us. But we're not always aware of his presence, right? And so we're not always alive to God is what that means. We're not walking in his spirit. We're not connected to him like he talks about a branch to a vine. We're not always alive to God. And the good news is that wherever we may be, like if you answer that question, I don't think I'm very alive to God. The good news is that we can be resuscitated, revived, and restored. And Jesus is as close as a breath away. And that's a powerful and beautiful truth. So how is it with your soul? Well, I hope you feel that sense of desire to, to draw near to God. James 4.8 says, you draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So that's, that's been a powerful thing for us to be thinking about. Each week I've wanted to share with you a simple tool that has been really helpful and meaningful to me and in hopes that it would be helpful to you in your own journey with God. And... Um, I just, I would feel great if somehow these tools would help you get a fresh, deep connection with God and feel like you can know Jesus in a personal way every day to help your soul stay alive to God. Remember, we talked about the symptoms of that. When, you, when your soul is alive to God, you have less ingratitude in your life, less irritability, less frustration and fear and more things like joy and energy and uh, creativity and and gratitude, these kinds of things. So we began, first of all, the first tool I kind of gave you was one kind of answering the question, what's your path? With, with the, the idea of spiritual pathways. Because God didn't make us cookie-cutter people, did he? We're not all the same. We're put together different ways and our experiences and temperaments and so forth give us a kind of propensity to connect with God in certain ways that might be different than someone else. So we talked about nine different pathways and I hope you know your pathway where you can kind of Make some time, find a way to connect with God in ways that are particularly helpful and important for you. It might be through study. It might be through being in nature. It might be through uh, art or beauty, music, worship, serving someone, or getting involved in justice issues. That was the first one. Then we talked last week about something called the examine. And the question around that one was kind of, how's your day? Because we're saying, literally, let's examine our lives. Let's let Jesus examine and look inside of us. Because any part of my life, that's not opened up to God, is, is closed off to God, and I can't grow through that. So I, I learned to look at my life and my day and my events of seemingly mundane, low, bad things, really good things, and invite Jesus into all of it. We can simply learn to ask these three questions, like, as I look back through my day, maybe I journal on these questions, like, for what moment today am I most grateful? And you think about that, respond to that, and then you say after a while, well, for what moment today am I least grateful? When did I feel like energy was drained out of me and I was not alive? And then how is God in any of those is the third question. What might Jesus want to say to me? Now, there's so much good stuff that we've been talking about, and there's a lot of leftovers. I'm, I'm telling you, there's stuff on the... 
the cutting, cutting floor, uh, so to speak, and we have bonus material. So we've created this kind of a resource hub. It's on the website. Here's the address for that. You can go to the, the website uh, uh, and then the, the slash and then staying alive. And there's so many good, helpful things there for you, including a, a, a way to learn the exam and uh, right there that we create a little video for you and so forth. So this week, I want to introduce one more tool. One more way of really connecting with God and staying alive to God that's been really helpful to me and so many others. And the question around this one is, is this one. What's God saying to you right now? What's God saying to you right now? Jesus, in John chapter 10, said, um, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And he's kind of, I think, referencing you know, shepherds in those days and the sheep that they had, like a dog today, know, my dog knows my voice because he's around me all the time and the sheep would know the shepherd's voice and he's saying, that's how it is with you and me. When, when you follow and, and, and connect to Jesus over a period of time, you recognize his voice of truth over other voices. And yes, Jesus speaks to you like that and we all want that to be able to say, I want to be a sheep that, that can hear the voice of Jesus. So how do we do that? That's where the gift I want to give you today comes in. Now, before we jump into that, I want to hammer down just a couple of, I'll call them kind of like foundational truths that are, I think, important for us to make sure we, we get straight in our head before we jump in. And, and, and I want to begin by just asking a, an honest question, which is maybe something like this. Does God really speak? Like, does he speak to us? Does God speak to me? you might say. Because there are plenty of gods in history that have been worshipped that weren't particularly into uh, communicating with their subjects. Is the God of the Bible one of those? Or is the God of the Bible one who really does like to speak? Or is God silent? Is God a self-revealing God or is he more of a hiding God? And I think we just have to be honest here that anyone, anyone is really being honest about this. I think... Sometimes we get these churchy answers and we, we always want to jump to the, the way things are supposed to be, I think. But I think if anyone's really honest, they're going to confess there are times when God seems frustratingly hidden. Anybody relate to that? Where he's seemingly silent. I've had times in my life like that where I felt like I'm knocking on the door of heaven and it's like, is anybody home? Like looking through the curtains like, hello. I've had periods in my life like that. Have you ever felt that way? If you, have, if you have, you're not alone. You get to the place sometimes in life, even people of deep, deep faith, where you just have to scream with the guy. Psalm 13 has two distinct parts. And the first part is where you just have to scream in verses one through three, like, oh God, have you forgotten about me? Hello, are you there at all? Are you looking the other way? Turn to me and answer me, oh God, you know. And so those are real honest prayers where it feels like, I don't know if God so is, willing, is really speaking or not. And these are the times that if you walk with God long enough, you'll experience some of those. You'll also learn, if you walk with God long enough, that you can learn to completely trust God, even though he doesn't always do what we would want him to do or exactly when we would want him to, that God is good and faithful. And we can learn the second part of that psalm, like this guy did, even though he felt that way, like I'm dying in a pile, I'm not hearing a thing from you, and yet he says in verse five, he says, but I will trust in your unfailing love. I still trust you, God. I know that you're good. 
That's what faith looks like right there. So you might be going through something that's kind of like a dark night of the soul, or maybe you've gone through one before, where you're struggling, you know, spiritually even. You get big questions and you feel like you're banging on heaven's door to no avail. And you're in the first part of that, and God seems silent, first part of that psalm. But I would just say to you, hold on. I'd say, hold on. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. You can trust God. He's there, and he's good. I think one of the reasons that it may seem like God is silent sometimes is because God is just so different and other than us. So Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. God is God and we're not. And sometimes his answer is just, he does answers on his own timeline. He, God does God's own thing. And, and it's just so surprising or shocking or not what we want or expect. And that's one of the reasons. I think another reason sometimes it can seem like God is silent is that we want some big boisterous answer and God isn't always that way. Sometimes like Elijah learned up on the mountain, he wanted to hear God in the earthquake, the wind and the fire. And you know what? It didn't happen that way. He heard him in a still, small voice. And sometimes we're just so loud and noisy and running around in our lives in a way that it makes it really hard. That's how it is for me. I bet I'm not the only one. Samuel, in the Bible, was a young boy uh, who served in the temple with a guy named Eli. And they lived and slept there in the temple together. And at night, um, Eli, Samuel, hears a voice. And it says, Samuel, Samuel. And immediately he gets up and runs across the way to, to where Eli's sleeping and says, yes, boss, what'd you want? And, you know, Eli rubs his eyes and says, I didn't call you, boy, go back to bed. So he does. And it happens again. Samuel, Samuel, the voice calls. And Samuel jumps up and runs over to Eli and says, what do you need? And Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And he does. And it happens a third time. And this time, Eli, the old wise priest, kind of figures it out. He goes, oh, wow, I... Samuel, I think God's trying to get your attention. When God tries to get your attention, you should pay attention. When God tries to get your attention, we should pay attention. He says, Samuel, the next time you hear that voice, you just, it's God, and you should just say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's exactly what happens. He goes back and he sure enough hears that voice again, Samuel, Samuel, and he doesn't run to Eli. He just says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then God gave him a really clear and direct word, and it took him a while to get through to him. But he heard the word and he, and he acted on it. And I think God wants to get messages through to us all the time. But I think we're running here and there, running to, what, are, what do you think, what do you think? I mean, sometimes we just miss the whole thing. And today, what we want to do is talk about this simple tool that will allow us all to get into the same kind of posture that Samuel found himself in. And I want to invite you to open your spirit, to humble yourself, to the place where you could say to God right now, Speak, Lord. I'm listening. Like really open your spirit like you're ready to listen. Because the, the greater truth than God is sometimes hidden and kind of hard to figure out. The greater truth is that God is very much a revealing God. 
God is very much a God whose deepest desire is to connect with us, to know you, to have you know him, to relate to you, to be, to be, to be friends. And he's made all these invitations. He's reached out to us and he says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me because God is a revealing God. Like a kid who plays hide and seek who wants to get caught, sticking your foot out from under the bed when they walk by. Oh, you found me. That's God. He's not a hidden God at all. First of all, how does God reveal himself? Well, one of the most obvious ways is through creation, right? God, God's fingerprints and footprints are all over creation. Psalm 19 says that even the heavens you know, proclaim the glory of God. And, and, and day after day, they, they speak, now not with real words like a human voice, but they very clearly reveal God. What's, the, what's another way that God reveals himself? What's another way that God makes himself known? What's the most prominent and obvious and most beautiful way? Of course, it's through Jesus Christ. This is how God has ultimately revealed himself, by coming to among us as God in the flesh. John 14, 9 makes it so clear. Jesus himself says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You want to understand God. You want to know God, reveal God. Pull back the curtain. What's God like? You look in the face of Jesus, and there it is. And then in John chapter 1, describing Jesus, it describes him this way. The Word, capital W, that's the, word, that's the name for Jesus there. The Word became human, became flesh, and then made his home among us. And he was full of all of God, the unfailing love, the faithfulness. And we saw, when we saw Jesus, we saw the glory of the Father. So Jesus calls him the Word there, which is like a, it's a Greek idea for like the eternal uh, mind of God, the character and the fullness and the thought of God sort of came into being in a human right in front of us. So Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. And God went one step further, not only sending his son, the word in flesh, God sent us his word written and revealed himself, pulled back the veil, if you will, and wants to get messages through to you and me through Scripture. When we learn to hear the Word of God, we are learning to hear the voice of God. And one of the primary ways God does that is through Scripture, the Bible. So I want to share with you the tool that's going to help us learn how to hear God from the Bible. And to do that, I want to invite out a friend to lead us through this. It's Mindy Caliguire. And a lot of you will remember Mindy from uh, not long ago. She was here in our midst. Um, she's super gifted at helping people stay alive to God. That's what Mindy does so well. She's the founder and president of a, a group called Soul Care. It's a spiritual formation ministry that helps uh, to really uh, just increase the soul health in the body of Christ. That's what her life is about. You can check it out at soulcare.com. She's had some amazing jobs. Uh, she worked for Glue for a while, uh, a fast-growing business that does big data analytics. She's been a spiritual director for, um, for uh, uh, Willow Creek Association. She and I serve on a board together, and I just love the way she thinks and her contributions. She's been here to Mountain before. She's a dear friend of ours. You want to check out some of her books on journaling and discovering soul care and spiritual friendship. Enough on that. Let's get her out here because I want to have her help walk us through some really cool stuff. Will you welcome our good friend, uh, Mindy Caliguire? Come on, Mindy. 
Hi. Hey, hey. Here we are. Well, welcome back. It's fun to see you again. Thank you. It's good to be back here. Back at Mountain. Hey, guys. Um, you're good coming to be from with you. Colorado. Yes. So, with the last time you were here, uh, I mean, we've had some fires. Uh, you're doing yeah. okay. You, yeah. You're kind of yeah. displaced a little, right? We but. are. We've been in five different homes since the fire happened on December 30th, and uh, we're still in an Airbnb. We're displaced, but our home only had smoke damage. Uh, we're well aware the many, many thousand households households in our community who have to rebuild and are yeah. completely starting over from scratch. And you so, had close neighbors that were in... Yeah, there were 62 homes in our neighborhood that are mm-hmm. down to the ground, burned. Wow. Yeah, it's heavy. So you know, um, we're talking about staying alive to God. That phrase, by the way, I'm pretty sure I stole from you. <laughs> uh, I think that's the first time I heard it. We were actually talking amongst the staff, and it was after you had shared with our staff team, mm-hmm. and it's like that phrase. I think Luke was saying, I love that phrase, staying alive to God. Mm-hmm. And I do too. And so that, that's what we're talking about. And we've been, we want to focus today on how God speaks to us through Scripture. Mm-hmm. So I want you to walk us through. I think you're, this is going to be really great, you guys. I'm, I'm so excited for everybody. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm happy to. This is one of my favorite topics. Love, as you said, helping people know how they can stay alive to God. And there's lots of different spiritual practices that we go through to help us do that. But Scripture really stands uniquely uh, in part because of what Scripture tells us about itself. And Hebrews 412 is one of the most outrageous claims, I think, in the scripture, if you think about it. It's outrageous. There's a lot of good books that have been written in the world. But Hebrews 412 tells us this, that the word of God is alive and active. Like, how absurd is that? It's alive. It's not some old dead book. No. God's in it. Right. Like, you think of, you know, a, a, a childhood movie or something with Mm -hmm. a book that moves around and does things. But the Word of God, the Bible, is alive and active, and it has this capacity to go to the deepest parts of who we are and, like, shape and reshape who we are at the core of our being. Mm -hmm. God's Word brings transformation. It brings revelation. It brings so much into our worlds, and it's one of the ways that God meets with us and how we stay alive to God. I think of the, I think of, that's so important today, Mindy, because I think people don't always understand that about the Bible as an old musty dead book, but you know, the Spirit of God was in Jesus. Yeah. The Word of God had the Spirit in it, and then the Bible, somehow the Spirit of God shows up in the Bible. Absolutely. And I can pick it up, and the Spirit of God will show up if I open my spirit to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we're open to it, you're just reading something. Maybe you've read it a hundred times before, and all of a sudden, on yeah. that day, in that moment, you're cut to the quick, and you know what God's saying to you. So the Scripture is a vital way that God has given us to stay connected and stay connected with Him. Um, and even there's a whole body of research that was done at Willow Creek and in hundreds, thousands of other churches since. Half a million people have taken this survey about the spiritual life. And we discovered through it that there are actually different distinct stages of spiritual development over time. Um, but that one of the drivers that's most catalytic for spiritual development at every stage, early, medium, like growth along a trajectory is engaging, uh, reflecting on the Bible, reflecting on Scripture. And it's not significantly, it's not just reading Scripture. Yeah. It's possible to read Scripture and just burn through a lot of it, but you never actually open up to what is God saying to me. So the engagement where I'm starting to reflect, ask questions, probe in, like what's this saying is the key for spiritual growth. Yeah, yeah. reflection on the Scripture is when it starts to get integrated into my actual life. Mm -hmm. I can read through stuff and never really let it penetrate. Mm -hmm. 
But that's how transformation, that's how God meets us in that. So uh, tonight, or this, today, <laughs> we are looking at five different ways of engaging Scripture that I think uh, I have found throughout history have been really significant to different groups of people over time and certainly have been significant. This is super helpful because I think sometimes life. we think the Bible, I'm just going to read the Bible. But right. there, there are different ways of reading the Bible. You're going to tell us five. Totally. We're going to land on the last one, which is kind of the, that's where we're going to hover a little bit. But walk us through these. What yeah, are the five yeah, yeah. ways? So the first one I think of it is really just reading for a bird's eye view. Mm-hmm. What is the over? Overall context, what is being said here? Just to give you an idea, this is something that uh, many years ago, one of the friends in a small group that I was in, she said that her learning the Bible as part of this small group took her from the equivalent of, she used to ride the subway system all the time to get around Boston and then learned how to drive a car and then was driving the same city but from above instead of popping up in different subway stations. And what she said was that studying the Bible more from that context, the bird's eye view, allowed her to see how all these different verses that she had heard, John 3.16 and Romans 8.28 and Psalm 1 and all those things, well, how do they all connect together? How are they part of a whole? So reading for a bird's eye view is a really important practice yeah. to start to understand how does, what is the bigger picture? What is God mm-hmm. saying? I love it. We went through something a few years ago at Mountain called The Story, and it did that for us, didn't it? It kind of like, oh, that's how that fits together. And that's one way to read the Bible is to learn how all things fit to get together. So that's yeah. bird's eye view. That's yeah, number that's one. Yeah, that's just a bird's eye view. What is the narrative? Okay. What is going on here? A second area that's a little deeper in a way is to look at a particular theme. And then how does that theme get expressed across the whole scripture or in different parts? So a theme could be like the theme of grace or the theme of forgiveness, mm-hmm. the theme of judgment, the theme of sin, the theme of, well, coming up is Lent, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a really interesting time to look at the theme of Jesus's role going to the cross. Mm -hmm. So there's different themes that we can study, and that's a really important way Mm -hmm. to engage. So you're not just looking at one passage, you're saying like, what does the whole Bible say about this one topic or theme? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very helpful because Mm -hmm. sometimes one thing tells you a bit, and then you have to see more from different Mm -hmm. perspectives. A third area uh, is memorization, and this one is where you take a small portion of the text and really commit it to memory. Like, I just need to know word for word, what did that verse say? And the value I find, and like sort of that's the question that's underneath each of these, is how does the Spirit use this to help so us each in of, our... So each of these are kind of valid, and they do, but they do different things. Yeah, 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 okay. totally. So in, memoriz- or in, yeah, in memorization, you look at a particular passage... And it might be even quite short, but you're, you're looking at it so that the spirit, once it's like lodged in your brain, the spirit then I think has like access to pull it to mind when you have a temptation you're going through or a decision you need to mm-hmm. make or how you're showing yeah. up in a meeting. And all of a sudden you remember, oh, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Yeah. What, what does that look like in this A meeting? soft answer turns away wrath. Right. You, I memorized that, and I never forget the first mm-hmm. time I wanted, it actually came to me in the moment. Has that ever happened to you guys, where you have a scripture that all of a sudden now it, it was memorized, and so it's somewhere down deep. Yeah. And it's like it gets belched up in the, yeah. in the right moment. And, <laughs> but it has to get in there somehow, and that's memorization. Yeah, yeah, you just lodge it in your brain, and then it gives the spirit material to pull 
as you're living your life to help guide us. That's what yeah. the Spirit's going to do. Mindy, anyone who's been in a group with me knows I'm a huge fan of memorization, like, like a sort of militaristic about it, just because I think it's so hard for adults. We cop out, we say we can't, but we really can if we try hard, and it will help us so much. So I'm such a huge fan. One of the examples of how hard it is versus not is you think about how much of the scriptures are psalms, which were songs, most people, adults, we don't think that we memorize, but you probably know the Beatles' full anthology. You probably yeah. know U2's song lyrics fully by heart, and I, we can learn God's Word. We can. <laughs> I'm embarrassed I can tell you the height and weight and jersey number of everyone on the 1977 Minnesota Vikings, and I don't know why that's there, but <laughs> I know it's there. Okay, uh, before we move on, yes. uh, so you're a believer in Scripture memorization? Yes. Uh, what's a verse that you have memorized? Oh, there's lots of them. Um, Jesus, I think we talked about this back in November when he said that we shouldn't worry about our life, what we would eat or drink or what clothes we would wear, but that we could seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and everything that we concern ourselves with would be taken care of. So we've got um, reading uh, for a theme, memorization, the bird's eye. Uh, what's next? Meditation. Okay. Meditation is when we take a verse, a phrase, and like the word is actually like ruminating, like a cow, you know, chewing its cud. Like it's this idea that you just are stuck on a thing. You've got the same piece in there and yes. you're chewing on it yes. to get every last little bit. That's the, actually the biblical, the Hebrew word for meditation. Exactly. Chewing well, a cud. And John Orberg would say that the, the way, you know, anyone who knows how to worry knows how to meditate. Because worry is where you take a thing and you just keep thinking about it again and again. Well, that's what, that's what this form of meditation is. It's very important for us. The Psalms remind us to meditate on God's word, to meditate on his character, on his goodness. And one example of this that could sort of maybe make it a little more concrete is there's a, a verse in the Psalms that says, Be still and know that I am God. Which we might know that. What, what does it say to not just pull that to mind, but to say, oh, I want to think about that from one perspective and then another. And like one friend who's a spiritual director, she often will begin her time with someone saying and having them say, be still and know that I am God. Be still, and then just take one word away. Be still and know. Hmm. Be still. Be. For the person who's like, I need to study a passage, and under, this can be kind of a challenge, and, but it's really refreshing. It's, and often it's a short passage of scripture, mm -hmm. and you're just turning it over and again and letting mm -hmm. God speak. You know, I, I think one thing to mention is that meditation is very, very popular today, and it's growing. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and um, there's a form of meditation, I suppose, that is really just seeking to empty our minds and empty ourselves of everything. But Christian meditation for centuries has been to sort of purge certain thoughts, but to make space for God then to fill. Christian meditation is not dangerous. Mm -mm. It's precisely the invitation to fill your life and your mind, to focus and to chew and dwell on. This is why the scriptures say, I want to meditate on your, your word day and night. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's valuable. All right, we're, we're down important. to number five. This All is right. the one I've been this waiting is the, for. This so. is the one we're going for. So this last one, I just think of it as listening. It's listening to the voice of God in the context of Scripture. It's a way of engaging Scripture. And sort of uh, a way to think about it as listening is it, the, the, the Latin term for this is Lectio Divina or Lectio Divina, which is just like the Latin words for Lectio, reading or mm -hmm. divine, and then divino, 
divine. divine so it's God. a divine So it's like a reading. God reading. Yeah, sort of. yeah, kind of, which the Bible is in and of itself. But in this, it's really an ancient form of prayer that has come down to us through the centuries. And the reason it's thought of as a form of prayer is that we use Scripture as the context to be listening actively to what is God saying to me right here mm -hmm. and right now. And usually when we engage in scripture, it's possible for us to like just read, 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 read and move on to the next chapter and get on to the next thing or study it and be super analytical, all of which can be important at different times. But in Lexio Divina, we take time to just slowly listen to, usually it's read aloud, we listen to a scripture passage with our imagination active, listening, what is God saying? What's standing out to me in this? And then as we're going to, because we're going to actually do this uh, in another minute or two, but um, when we do that, we're holding before God certain questions and specifically resisting answering them like with our own logic. We want to just hear, what is the Lord saying to me about this right now? So that's, I think, of how, mm -hmm. how this practice works. It's something that I've done in small groups before mm -hmm. with different team contexts even my husband and I, on a mm -hmm. spiritual retreat yeah. we took, uh, have picked a passage and then engaged with listening to the passage being read, but not for analysis. It was for listening to what is God saying for to listening. us right now. And you're going to walk us, help yeah. us coach yeah, yeah, yeah. this. Now, wait a second. So who can do this? Oh, all of us can do this. All of us can. This is... Like everybody. Correct? Everybody. Okay. Everybody. You guys hear that? Everybody always. Okay. This, is, this is us. We can do this. Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a passage in the Gospel of Mark from Mark 4, um, verses 35 and 41. And you all have, uh, I think, online and yep. Yep. In, the, in the room right now. If you're right at now. a campus um, on the seat that you were sitting on, or you're sitting on now, if you haven't found it, kind of dig around under there, you'll find it. Here it is. <laughs> um, it, it says, what is God saying to you right now? And, and now, many we just chose this passage. We could have chosen any number of passages. Yes. It's not, that's, not, that's not even really the thing. But this is a, a story, and a lot of times narratives will work better mm -hmm. than maybe a, a list or something like that, but that, not all the time. You could use any part of the Bible. We chose a story out of the Gospels. You'll notice on the back of that, and if you're online, click on the, the, the link in the chat, and it'll take you to the exact same thing. And there are three things that we're going to walk through together in just a little bit to yeah. try this. Because God really is a revealing God who wants to speak to all of us. Yeah, like let's just hold space right now for the fact that God is with us right here mm -hmm. and right now. And that the God of the universe knows you, knows your story, knows what's going on in your life. And we're, we, you may sense God saying something, you may not. It's okay. Either way, we're holding space. We're going to create space to listen. Mm -hmm. So the first time we read through this, and I think you're going to read the first one, mm -hmm. what I'd love for you guys to do is actually just pay attention. Is there a word or phrase that seems to stand out? And as we enter into this, if you feel comfortable, you don't have to, but if you feel comfortable, you might even just set this down, this page down. Maybe close your eyes if you feel comfortable. Maybe put your hands up and, and just say. So you don't have to read it. You oh, can yeah. just listen. And so the key word for this first, we're going to read it three times. Yep, and for the, this first time. The first time is just notice. Yes. Yeah. What, what do you notice? What sticks out to you? What, 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 uh, what kind of pops into your mind what comes and then when you're done reading we'll just leave it silent for like a few seconds and then we'll re-engage at that time okay so is everybody ready 
We're going to try this ancient but brand new for a lot of us practice. So I just encourage you to kind of maybe shift, get comfortable, take a deep mm -hmm. breath, yep. and um, become aware of God's presence with us. He's here. He's with us. He always is, but now we're more aware of it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to open his word, this living, active word. And uh, I'll, I'll read the first reading and see what you notice. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Okay, so now would love to have uh, invite you to, if something stood out to you, if there was a particular word or phrase, one of those words or phrases, uh, you could either circle it on your page or turn it over on the other side and just jot down what was that word or phrase that just seemed to stand out to you right now. Now, if you're still writing down, that's fine. I'm just going to introduce where we're headed for this next reading. I'll read through it this time. And again, invite you to just be still, quiet, close your eyes if you feel comfortable. Enter into the story. And in this time, really love for you to be holding before God a, a simple prayer. Is there any area of my life, God, that that word or phrase connects? Now, you might try to solve that problem on your own, and I would just urge you to resist that temptation and really listen for God to reveal that. That's kind of a process of reflecting together with God on your life as it relates to that passage. So just listen, and I'll leave it silent again at the end, and we'll call so, us back. So reflect, is, by that you just mean, where might this connect? Yep. Okay. Where does this connect to my life? Okay. Could be a circumstance, a relationship, a, a, a decision, who knows where. So again, from Mark 4. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. 
So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So as you're in the silence, holding before God, reflecting, where did that word or phrase seem to connect to your life? And if you have a sense of an answer to that, go ahead and write that down on your piece of paper as well, or jot it down on a notebook or whatever you have at hand. And as we read through a third time, you may start to feel how unusual it is to return to the same verse and passage again and again. Um, And what will we find out uh, as God meets with us here? Um, the, The question I'd love for you to be holding before God this third time. Again, this is a form of prayer. You're holding a question before God as you listen. Is, is there an invitation God, do you have a next step for me? Is there, is there an invitation for me that you would speak as I'm listening? So the key so word is ask. Yeah, ask. Okay. So we read a third time. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. 
So again, we're holding before God this question. We're asking, do you have a next step for me? Is there an invitation? Mindy, thank you. Mm. Um, I think uh, to do this exercise might even allow a little more space than we just did. And mm -hmm. we, we kind of moved through it pretty quickly. But you can see, can't you, how when you invite God in to his word, how powerfully it is living and it's mm -hmm. active. It's one of the gifts, if you do it in a relationship with a small group, to actually pause and the things that you've been writing down are something that you could share, could share with someone if it's else. A safe, yeah, a yeah safe group, it's a really like, beautiful yeah. experience. It, it's powerful. Maybe some of you wrote something on here. I, I did. I, I didn't expect, expect to, but I did. And um, it's powerful to think that here in my hand, these scribbles are, are the scratches of the voice of God for me. It's really big. Um, I, I, I think there are some things, and sometimes it may not be profound. It may be simple. A lot of times I think we know what God might say to us, and these moments allow him to get through to us like he did to the boy Samuel. You quoted Blackaby. I love that quote. What is mm -hmm. that? Oh, well, in uh, Experiencing God, he said this very simple idea that if the God of the universe tells you something, you should write it down. <laughs> Which I've always thought was very profound. If God's trying to get your attention, pay attention. My friends, that's, that's Lectio Divina. Mm. And it is a tool. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's been useful for millions of people for thousands of years. Yeah. And um, maybe it'll be helpful to you to stay alive to God. I encourage you yeah. uh, to work it into your regimen. We're going to leave this series after this week, and I hope these practices don't leave you as well. We have two discipleship questions we love to ask around here. What's Jesus saying to you? And the second question is, what are you going to do about it? Thank you, Mindy. Let's pray. Delighted. God, we, we are so grateful for your word, which is living and active and powerful and useful for so many things in our lives. And we pray that you'll give us the wisdom and the courage to open ourselves to you and to your word. That you might speak to us. That we would read it however we need to in order to hear your voice through it. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We pray this in the good name of Jesus, the word who became flesh. Mm. Amen.